Hello, 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 hello. Welcome. You just hear that beautiful music uh, fading out right now because it is time to get going on the Ordinary Church Podcast. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Connor. We're checking in. We're checking in with the Ordinary Church Podcast today. We're checking in. We're coming from Mike's office, and we are glad to be with you. If you caught last week's episode, we started what's going to be the first of of several weeks, a series through the question of how, uh, actually, not the question, but a multitude of questions about the Bible. Big questions about the Bible is what we're calling this. And so this week, we're just going to jump right into a second question. Last week, we started with, why can we trust the Bible? Mm-hmm. This week, the question is, how can we understand the Bible? So, Mike, let me actually punt to you right now. Why don't you give us a little bit of a, a kind of a ramp into today's topic? Okay, so the idea of how can you understand the Bible, all right? I'm going to start with what something that Peter said in 2 Peter 3 when he said there are, are some things hard to understand in Paul's writings. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our brother, beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. As he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures, which obviously points out that Paul's writings at that moment were considered scripture and uh, that there are some things hard to understand. When we talk about how can we understand the Bible, we're not talking about this. And I want to delineate this. There are some things that are hard to understand in the Bible. But the Bible is understandable. And I believe we addressed this last week a little bit about the clarity or the perspicuity of Scripture. It's clear, you can understand and grasp it because everything necessary for salvation is clear in Scripture. And that anyone who studies the Word can discern the basic message of salvation and what it means to please God. The question is, how can we understand it? What, what's happening how does this come about? Is it just because we're really smart? You know, the more IQ I have, the better I'll understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the, the quick answer, the simple answer, the straightforward answer, the, the real answer is God gives us understanding. That's right. Okay, he gives us understanding. And that is what is called, it's what is known as illumination. Now, just break down the word illumination in a spiritual sense, it basically means turning on a light, quote unquote. It's a light of understanding in some area. You're, you're getting it. You're, it's like when you walk into a room that's dark, pitch black, and you turn on the light, it illumines the room. So the Holy Spirit illumines our hearts to understand the message of Scripture. And it's like the psalmist, where the psalmist says in, in Psalm 19, about what the Word of God does. And it says, you know, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And then it says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The idea that, and Psalm 119 said this, says this too, the prayer in verse 18, open my eyes that I would see wondrous things in your word. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is this, the Holy Spirit's illuminating work in believers is that the Spirit gives us wisdom and revelation concerning 
Jesus Christ and opens the eyes of our understanding so we see and know God's purposes in our lives. Let me give you two passages. Okay. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, which uh, if you want to turn there, listeners, I'll give you a moment. And the other place I'll just mention is 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, and it's important to know who he is. He's the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit. Now, there you have the Trinity right there. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all in the same verse, will give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. And the idea is your your heart doesn't have eyes. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a picture, right? It's a... Uh, it's a, what's that called? Uh, the figure of speech would be a metaphor, mm-hmm. metaphorical. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. All right? And if you flip over to 1 Corinthians 2, speaking about how God has revealed the word, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The whole idea is that God has revealed to us in uh, by His Spirit the Word of God. That's why I like to say, when I said it Sunday, Spirit of God uses the Word of God to do the work of God in the lives of the people of God for the glory of God. So the, the context of the Word of God is that which has been revealed. And the Spirit of God is always pointing us to the Word of God for our instruction. That's what we need to remember. God gives us understanding of his word by his spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at the, the verses just past what you just read in 1 Corinthians, so 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 14 now, mm-hmm. Paul says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. How does that speak to our understanding of the difference between a believer with the spirit coming to the word versus an unbeliever or a natural person trying to come to the word and understand its meaning. Right. Okay. That's, that's the key point right there is that a believer is able to understand the word of God because they are indwelt by the Holy spirit. An unbeliever will say, I read it and it's like reading saw, like chewing sawdust. There's no taste. I can't, I don't get it. I don't understand any of it. That's different than a believer saying there are some things I'm coming across that I need to have explained to me. Mm-hmm. Where the unbeliever, they think the gospel is foolishness, right? The preaching of the gospel is foolishness to them. Uh, they think that it is, it is you know, wrong for God to say what he says in the word. And so it's a night and day situation where if you're not a believer, you're not going to understand the word of God. You might, under, you might get some facts you might you might grasp some concepts, but when you're not indwelt by the Spirit of God, you will not uh, understand the things of God. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, I think that, you know, we'd be right to say that unbelievers could actually come to the Word and understand what's there mm-hmm. in a factual sense, right? In fact, yeah. you have a lot of people in, even in, let's just say, like the academic world, for example, lots of people, smart people, brilliant minds, doing a lot of work in the Bible. They might even understand the Greek and the Hebrew mm-hmm. and they're, you know, digging in, writing commentaries. And even while they're understanding the actual sense of what's being said, 
their hearts are still not believing or igniting in love. And so what the Spirit does is not necessarily just help you understand the facts, but it's to make those things true and beautiful in your in your heart, and they ring true to you. Absolutely true. And, and so here's the thing. What we've got to talk about here is sin. In the Gospels, we read this. This is what Jesus said. The Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The most basic level of enlightenment. Okay, let's just say that you're listening to this today and you're not considering yourself a believer in Christ. You're saying, I do not believe in Jesus. I stumbled upon this podcast where a friend told me to listen to it. And I'm I'm listening, I'm hearing you, but I'm I'm not there. I'm not in that camp with you. The basic element, the most basic step of enlightenment is the knowledge of sin. And without the knowledge of your sin, you could just say everything else is is nothing, okay? It's pointless. Psalm 18, 28 says, You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. All right? Uh, here's another one. Psalm 119, verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The idea is that the Spirit of God convicts you of your sin. You realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That is the first enlightenment that you would get, the knowledge of your sin, that you are, and again, you know, how does it feel, right? You feel convicted. You feel sorry for your sin. You are aware. You are aware that you are under the wrath of God. You are aware that you are outside of Christ and you're not deserving of God's blessings. So that's the first step really. So if you're an unbeliever, you're going to be denying all of that Mm -hmm. and saying, nope, Mm -hmm. don't want that. Now, let's just say you're listening today and you're like, well, actually I've started to be, you know, kept awake at night even or I wake up in the morning and I feel bad about what I'm doing in life. This could be the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin. And there's a little, there's a peep of light coming through. There's a, there's a, it's like that first light of dawn, you know, maybe there's a little light coming through. And again, it's not like sometimes the light just comes on immediately and sometimes it comes on gradually. That's right. Yeah. I have, I've talked uh, with a person in our church who had a really dramatic conversion experience and they talked about that exact experience, lying in bed at night, unable to sleep, overwhelmed with guilt, just feeling like my soul is in jeopardy. And yeah, that's the work of the spirit to start to open their eyes to see. Because before that, if you, I mean, we don't, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans one, you have Paul saying that people claiming to be wise became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and, and creeping things. And right before that, he he has this phrase that people became futile in their thinking. That's verse 21. Mm-hmm. So the unbeliever is futile in their thinking, and they don't even think anything is the matter at all. You know, they're just living their life, going along. They would never say that I'm a God hater, or that, you know, I'm some kind of a terrible person. But that's a what we could call that the the noetic effects of sin <laughs> or the effects go. of sin that basically just scramble your mind mm-hmm. so that you're not thinking rightly about the world. And when the spirit comes, he begins to shine the light so that you're seeing those things. Right. We're created by God. We're unmade by sin. We can only be remade in Christ. And if you think about it, it could happen in a split second or gradually. Regeneration isn't always caught, you know, or recognized the same way in everyone's life. I think about Paul in Acts 9 and God literally knocked him off his high horse, (laughs) knocked him off his horse. And here he was completely diametrically opposed to God. And 
God blinds him. And this is interesting. Now we're talking about illumination here. God blinds him. He's, he's dark for what, three days. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is that then he gets, he has an appointment, right? And he's like, God, uh, you know what Ananias said, uh, God sent me to help you regain your sight, right? And, and um, brother Saul, Ananias departs, enters the house, lays hands on him and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he rose and was baptized, took food and was strengthened. He, he was a new creature in Christ. He, he professed his faith in Christ, was baptized. This is Acts 9, uh, verses 17 through 19, by the way. But, you know, that illumination happened immediately in his, his heart and life because God... When God chooses you and says, "This is the time right now," you know, now is the time of salvation for you, and you're gonna, be, you know, you end up believing because you're like, "God, open my eyes. I was blind and now I see." Yeah. And then one more place I want to take us is Second Corinthians four. And verse four, it talks about the unbelieving, those that are perishing, and it says that the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing, only to those who are perishing. It's unveiled. It's it's clear to those who are saved. Mm-hmm. It says, in their case, in the case of the perishing, the God of this world, little g, Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. You got the, the blinding again. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now let me just finish it by reading the next uh, two verses. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. We're talking Genesis 1-3 here, okay? Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There's illumination. Absolutely. And God does it. Yeah. And I think it's so cool. He doesn't just say, he could have written, that the God of this world has blinded people's minds so that they can't see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what he actually says is they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, which goes back to what we were saying before. It's not just a factual understanding that gets flipped. That's not the switch that gets mm-hmm, flipped. Mm-hmm. What the Spirit does is comes in so that you can see the gospel and all of its facts, and then you say, Jesus is glorious. Because the Spirit has shown me this, and that's what the unbeliever can't say. They can even they can understand all the facts, but they reject Christ. But for the believer, with the Spirit indwelling them and giving them light, they look at Jesus and say, "He's glorious." Right, and 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 you keep saying it. You you don't say it just once because your life is now just wrapped up and enveloped in that glory. And and this I think is a good thing. Maybe we can kind of end on this thought. What's the purpose? For illumination. Is it so we could get more facts about God? No, it's, it's exactly what you just said, that we would see Christ as glorious. And the idea that, you know, again, I keep going back to Psalm 119, but I will meditate on your wonders. Psalm 119, verse 27, I will keep your law. I will, I will, un- I understand your statutes. 125. Um, I, the illumination points to this idea that we can have fellowship with God and enjoy him and savor him. And we don't walk in darkness. We walk in the light as he is in the light. And as first John says, we have fellowship with, with one another and with God. 
And, you know, Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the whole idea, the purpose of illumination is that to, conf- you know, to assure us of God's, of our, of his choosing and keeping of us and for us to worship him. Really, it's worship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah amen. Yeah. Il- illumination leads to worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a great thought to end on. Uh, maybe one parting note. If you're sitting there wondering or maybe having this question in your mind, yeah, I, I know that the spirit is the, you know, the reason that I can see what's true in the word. He gives light. What place then is there for studying the word, asking other believers for help, dialoguing about things, reading a commentary or an online resource? Uh, that is a question that we're definitely going to tackle in the weeks to come as we continue talking about uh, just how, how we can study the Bible, know the Bible. So more is coming on that point. Um, but mm-hmm. today we just wanted to cover that subject of illumination. So, uh, Mike, any last thoughts before we wrap today's episode up? I'm excited about the next episode. And if you're hearing this on the day that it dropped on Thursday, the 29th, the 29th of, of April, 2021, make sure if you're, if, if you can, uh, catch us for men of the word this Friday morning, which would be the 30th. Uh, of uh, of April 2021 because we are so this is very time bound here okay I know the rest can be timeless but this is time bound uh, we meet from 6:30 to 7:30 this coming Friday I'm going to be teaching on how not to be so superstitious in the Christian life and it really does point up to the idea of illumination but also as you study the Word and as you follow the Lord all the different things that we start adopting as ideas in our minds of what it means to follow Christ that aren't, they might be based on the Bible, but they're not biblically accurate. To quote a, a well-loved TV character, I think a lot of people's attitude is, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. So <laughs> <laughs> if that's where you're at, there's going to be a lot of good coming your way on Friday morning. Okay, well, everybody uh, listening at home, in the car, on your way to work, wherever you're at. Uh, We love you and we're thankful for you. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited for more of this to come uh, in the next few weeks. Have a great week living for Christ. Adios. Adios.